0: You are listening to CEO Perspectives, a podcast by the Conference Board. I'm delighted to welcome Michael Furcaro, the Chief People Officer at MasterCard, to this next session. Thank you, Michael.
1: Thanks, Rebecca. Glad to be here.
0: Well, we're, we're delighted to have you uh, join us to speak and share some of your insights around the work that you and the team at MasterCard are doing as it relates to Either the well being of the individual, but the overall cultural health of the organization, and, and how you're empowering your leaders to connect and sort of advance the work here and connect the two. Before we do that, could we start with uh, uh, just a, a little bit about your background, your journey to the CHRO chair, and, and some of the work that you're involved in that's closest to you at MasterCard?
1: Yeah, sure. So, uh, so it's great to be here. Um, so, my journey from a career perspective actually. When I graduated from uh, university, I was a high school teacher. Um, so teaching in a suburban high school in Sydney um, and did that for about three and a half years. And from that um, to the world of human resources and the role itself has given me um, tremendous opportunities to to learn from some great leaders, um, to live in some exotic uh, locations around the world um, and finally landing here at Mastercard, which marries the um, connection that I have about people and culture, uh, working in a global company, um, and very much uh, focused on cultural change and transformation, and so um, so glad to be here and delighted to talk and share some of the the learnings that we have at uh, at Mastercard.
0: Well, terrific. So um, I know that Mastercard gleans a great deal of information in the payments industry, a lot about consumer behavior and is a bellwether in forecasting a great many things and from an economic perspective but I, i would imagine you also have a tremendous window into tech talent and its availability and its deployment and 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 so from your perspective what do you think companies need to be doing right now to attract and retain talent which i think is the holy grail for most everyone these days
1: it is and it has been uh for a long time, and certainly um, the last couple of years as well, in particular, post the, the pandemic. So, let me just frame a couple of the, the trends that uh, that we're seeing, and obviously, uh, linking it back to the whole attraction and retention of talent. So, uh, firstly, um, there's no surprise that clearly is a, a global slowdown uh, in job openings, uh, and particularly in the tech sector. Uh, we've seen probably a 23% reduction. Um, in the number of job openings that are there uh, that are being posted on on different job boards so that's one the job market however is still tight um, and therefore uh, we continue to see across many of our markets unemployment uh, relatively low in some places historic lows Uh, participation rates of um, of the available workforce as well are lower uh, than what we've seen in Part of that may be attributed to people during the pandemic making a self-selection out of the workforce. Um, so that's also uh, driving this um, this tightening of the uh, of the job market. Um, I think the other big driver that we're seeing as well is around flexibility. Um, and where flexibility may have been seen as a perk in the past, it's almost become table stakes. And we can get into into some of that. Uh, conversation as well around how we're approaching uh, the whole notion about flexibility and hybrid. Um, and then the other few areas that that we are obviously seeing and paying a lot of attention to, one is around uh, the role of the leader and the people leader, particularly having to navigate all of the various trends that we're seeing in the marketplace. Um, and their role is shifted and therefore investment in uh, developing our leaders is certainly a, a trend uh, that we see. Um, digital transformation continues to be an area of focus and particularly uh, the discussions and, and obviously a lot of focus around generative artificial intelligence and what that can mean both from a privacy perspective but also from a productivity perspective. Um, and, uh, and we see tremendous opportunities there but obviously uh, uh, thinking very cautiously about what that will mean. But that's certainly a trend, and I think the train has left the station, and uh, and we as an HR profession need to be thinking very carefully about um, the implications of that, both the good and also the challenging aspects. And then the final trend is really around um, sustainability, um, and sustainability in the broad sense, whether it's to do with climate change, it's workforce um, sustainability from a skill development and more importantly um, this whole notion about uh, well-being um, is a really important part so when you bundle all of those uh, things together Rebecca um, in terms of attracting and retaining talent I think all of us within the HR community have to be very um, aware of what these trends are what it means from a value proposition to our employees, either to retain or attract, um, and to a large extent, integrate these particular themes into both the business strategy and the people strategy. So that's how we're how we're viewing these particular trends, and some of the things that I'll share a little later really touch on some of these trends that uh, that we're just uh, talking about.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's fair to say that these last few years have had more than a that more than a minimal impact and that virtually everything that we used to think about in terms of strategic workforce planning or perhaps total rewards or the development of people or the the advent of, of change and its acceptance rate by people, it's just, it, it's a different ballgame now. And I share your view that there's a great deal of emphasis that should be placed on well-being. I know we'll talk about that a little bit, but, you know, I think uh, we have to be very thoughtful about what we ask of employees, and unlike, let's say, corporate athletes, and that's what they are really, not like regular athletes, where you, you know you train and then you perform and then you rest. Well, no, there's really not, there's really no rest. And so, you know, if we're not really careful, we could be looking at the precipice of a of a real mental health tsunami if we're not very very careful. I think.
1: Absolutely, definitely.
0: Well, you know, maybe on that well-being point, I think we've always cared about that. and we're always trying to have workplaces that perhaps spoke to supporting people through, you know, sometimes very stressful jobs. But during this pandemic, social unrest and all the great things that have happened in the last few years, which, you know, how many 100-year events can you take in a couple of years? But that's what we've had. And so when you think about uh, well-being now through the lens of what we've just collected, we've been through either here in the United States or certainly globally, um, you know what are the what are the elements of of well-being that you think rise to the forefront that that CHRLs like yourself should be thinking about?
1: Yeah, look, I think um all of us are working in in organizations that have really been thinking about this and doing something about it, um particularly during um and post the pandemic. And I think we've all moved from uh, the notion of well-being. Um, and mental health as being a, a taboo subject um, and um, and some level of stigma to acknowledging that it's very real um, that our workforces are facing challenges whether it's um because they're the the lead um, income earner or because they're caring for their children or um, their elderly parents or whatever the life circumstances that people find themselves in and so this well-being and this focus um, is not only a relevant topic for the leadership teams of organizations but also even with the um, uh, the board. And I think that the linkage that um, uh, that HR have been able to make is between well-being and performance and productivity. I think that's sort of the um, uh, the real connecting point. And I think we all understand that when you have a level of um, uh, yeah, ability to manage your own personal wellness, it will drive to better performance. And also if we think about culture, it also drives a high-performing culture if it's managed in the right way. So I think that's a really important point um, to start off with. Um, I think what we've done at MasterCard, we've done a a number of different things. Obviously the whole acknowledgement around uh, we're all all facing different circumstances is sort of one part. And one of the early initiatives that we we did at MasterCard was allowing individuals to share their stories. we We called it um, telling tales from the new normal and including uh, leaders themselves sharing stories on our intranet about how they're dealing with loneliness. Um, and even just that kind of act of having a um a forum for people to share their stories. Uh, provide a level of vulnerability for our leaders that many um, employees had not seen before. Sort of, sort of opened up that um, that dialogue and that conversation. We also uh, realized that we needed to provide greater level of awareness and education. So we provided a range of tools for our employees um, around thinking about how they can manage themselves uh, in terms of the uh, the whole issue of of well being. So. You know we all talked about meeting fatigue or zoom fatigue um giving people little tips around going for a walk or instead of a meeting being 30 minutes make it 25 minutes and use the five minutes to do a reset those little tools and tips and and techniques have really helped um, individuals just managing uh, themselves from a policy perspective uh, we also introduced a number of um, of changes so we introduced. Meeting free days, um, which we uh, which we introduced and we still carry today, um, and they happen uh, once a quarter. And um, the the sort of uh, response that I get from individuals just to have that that day um, of not having meetings, just to free up the space to do focus work or whatever it may be, um, is really it continues to be a really positive attribute. Uh, we introduced uh, work from anywhere. Um, four weeks work from anywhere. So basically, we also noted that a lot of employees spent time with their families and they still wanted to work out of um, their parents' uh, location or a relative, wherever it may be. And so we've made that part of our policy and practice that allows individuals to work for four weeks from anywhere. So that's also been very, very positive. So there's a lot of things like that that we've done. We've also uh, tried to put in the flow of work um, into our technology tools, the ability for individuals to continue to collaborate um, using documents that are loaded on um, the cloud rather than into uh, into servers. So even those aspects are, are really really positive. So all of those things I think are, are really helpful in terms of people being able to to manage um, their whole sense of well being and also just encouraging individuals to take their vacation. And uh, I know it's a real simple thing, um, and it seems like the obvious. But the number of people that say I can't take leave, or they they need to carry leave over, we're really encouraging this culture in the organization for managers as well as their their employees, their team members, to actually um, you know really be intentional about taking time off to do the reset. Um, and so there are a number of those aspects that that we're doing and. And I'll stop there um, because I think there's a there's another piece that we've said, okay, we've done all of that foundational work. What else is there that we need to be doing? So let me just pause there.
0: Well, Eve, you know, I, th- I think you make a great point. You've got to have leaders who show that it is okay to be lonely, as, as your example, or to take the vacation or to show that there are times when they are going to carve out something that's personal time or family time or just their own... You know, ability to unplug and make that okay. Because I think it's one thing to have a policy or for leaders to say, and it, it's another for them to actually do it, you know. Yeah. And I require those who can actually stick to things. I, you know, it's so expedient to, you know, send that email in the middle of the night because you can't sleep and you just want to get it off your, off your desk and <laughs> it just sends a very different, very different uh, uh, message to a place. You know, Michael, if you think about the the facets of well-being, and and certainly flexibility is is one of them. I love the the uh, uh, concept of working from anywhere and making that okay to do and encouraged to do. What a what a gift that is for for many people, I would imagine. You know, is are there other uh, other elements of of uh, of well-being that you wanted to to highlight?
1: Yeah. So two aspects. One is around um, flexibility. So. I know there's still discussions about you know is is our company a company that mandates people must come back into the office for a certain number of days or what our approach is our approach has been very much grounded on our um culture culture of trust um and principles um and very much purpose-driven approach to work and so we set out um about six weeks ago for all of our employees um, to work with their leaders to develop these team agreements um, and to ensure that each team uh, comes comes back to the office for moments that matter. That's sort of the way that we framed it. And, and we're learning a lot from that and, and some best practice in terms of how teams are, are able to work in this kind of hybrid way. So that's sort of one aspect. And I think from a well-being perspective, this whole notion about purpose-driven work um, and flexibility is certainly a really positive that that we're seeing. So that's sort of one aspect. But notwithstanding a lot of the initiatives, we have seen um, the number of ACEs um, increasing in terms of people that are, that are really struggling or, or dealing with uh, well being issues, not only themselves, but also potentially they're observing it in their coworkers, or there may be some things that are happening um, in the individual's uh, private lives. And clearly there are certain boundaries that that we can't get into but one of the things Rebecca that we did um, just a few weeks ago um, part of my team uh, have gone into um, this what we call mental uh, well-being champions training it's like think of it like a, a first responders training okay. that-
0: you remember that the first time we, we chatted about this I thought that was such an interesting way to frame this
1: yeah, yeah. so w- what it is um, in a nutshell, is essentially um, a twelve hour certification program. So we're partnering with um, with an external firm. Um, the individuals that provide the training are all uh, trained um, and qualified clinicians. And essentially what they're doing is enabling my team to have a deeper um, assessment and analysis and diagnosis skills of observing not diagnosing what the condition is, but observing uh, behaviors that may be um, uncharacteristic of the individual or within a particular work environment with the view of being able to ask the right questions and um, and recommending or referring the individual to some of the uh, you know associations or professional bodies that we work with, medical practitioners and so forth that we have. And this whole notion about the first responder is that Um, Our aim is to train more of our human resources function in this particular skill set. We're also embedding it into some of our people leader training. So it's like a a one hour module. So the people leaders are becoming quick to be able to um, see patterns. Um, And then we're also looking at um, at having uh, almost self-help for all our our employees as well. We saw a real need, Rebecca, um, and uh, we felt that our team needed this this next level of uh, of development and we've been partnering as i said with an external firm uh we have a chief medical officer um uh that we have as part of the hr team as well and she also has had to you know increase her skills um and awareness in this particular type because it's a very very specialized area
0: well you know michael i i think that's terrific to have that sort of greater support to be able to step up and do many things we've asked frontline leaders or supervisors at any level and particularly the HR function which you know there's just been non-stop challenges in the last few years and so I wonder I wonder if there's any uh, any any aspect of this that helped them feel comfortable maybe sensing that they themselves needed additional support or that they could look for signs of burnout or they could look inward and, and be able to Perhaps identify that and then know where to go for help for themselves.
1: Yeah, it is, and you know a lot of this is um, is just providing um, forums for discussion. Uh, one one interesting thing that we're doing as well for mental health awareness is also leveraging our business resource groups. Some companies call them employee resource groups, but really having um, mental awareness, mental health awareness, and well-being as they theme that cuts across all of the BRGs as well because they have access and connection to a whole variety of um, of different groups within the organization and part of it you're right Rebecca, part of this is about the self-help, how do I recognize signs in myself uh, that you know um, there's just too much going on and what do I need to do to pause and how do I have that conversation with my manager Um, to the tech tools that we have that you know give you a reminder that before you hit send on that um, that email that I'm sending to my employee, it'll basically say, hey, you're sending this um, this email out of hours. Is it really urgent? It gives you that prompt. Those kinds of things to build it into the flow of work, I think are really important on both the the, the sender and the receiver in this whole discussion about well-being.
0: Right. And, you know, I, I've talked to a lot of folks who are really looking at other su- ways to support people with some other relaxation apps or a variety of online tools that can help uh, with, with stress. But I, I think it's so important to be able to help people recognize that given their probably their, their predilection to want to be there for others, whether you're an HR professional or you're trying to protect your team as a supervisor, you know, it's important to put your own, uh, your own mask on first should we lose oxygen because you can't help other people if you yourself are still struggling right. So.
1: Absolutely. And that's such a great analogy the whole um you know safety instructions on the airlines, you know, take the mask first before you can I think it's a great analogy. Yeah.
0: Well, Michael, I appreciate what you've shared. If we if we step back a little bit and now we look at organizational health, right? And and so when you think about holistic well-being for the organization, how do you how do you look at the overall cultural health? Of an organization, I'm, I'm sure in some ways it's a roll-up of all these great things that you're doing. But could you speak to that a little bit? How you how you define, how you think about it Mastercard, and maybe the ways in which you're focused on it?
1: Yeah. So um, as I alluded to, we have this what we call the Mastercard way. So um, our cultural um, uh, method of uh, of sort of explaining who we are um, is grounded on three particular pillars. One is around creating value um and that creates value for a whole range of stakeholders including our employees um the second pillar is around growing together and so this is about you know helping others be great or saying what you mean so there are particular behaviors around uh, that aspect and then the the third pillar is around moving fast and this is about execution speed taking up bureaucracy and, and prioritization so that's sort of the framing of um, of our cultural statements um, and underneath that are the are the behaviors. Um, and and I mention that because that anchors a lot of the conversations that we've been having and the decisions we've been taking on things like flexibility or uh, well-being. So since about 2019, um, I've been fascinated with this topic, in fact it was a discussion that we had at the board uh, back in 2019, which was all about how do we make sure that our culture is an asset, not, not a liability. And um and we've basically been developed, well, we have developed a culture health index, which basically looks at, at our culture at an organization-wide level around things that connect to our business strategy as well as our people strategy. And the areas that we focus on, one is around inclusion, another is around innovation, another around brand, and then the other one is around uh, leadership. Um, and we track this on a quarterly basis. We've got specific metrics that we have. Um, some that are, uh, I guess, transferable on a quarterly basis. Um, there are others, let's say on the innovation index, where we ask our customers, do they think that, that we're innovative, that we're providing innovative solutions? That may only happen once a year. But notwithstanding, uh, my team and I actually produces this index and these are uh, these results which go to the board as well as uh, to management and it gives us a sense as to uh, where are we making progress but also are there particular areas that we need to to double down on so so that's sort of how we measure um, elements of the cultural health um, in the organization we have like many organizations we're doing um, employee experience survey there's many focus groups that we run we look at external data from uh, some of the social channels like Glassdoor and LinkedIn and we look at all of those things but there's a whole uh, array of different uh, data and inputs and our role within the function is to say well what is this telling us, what is it telling us about our culture what is it doing uh, and telling us about how we're attracting and retaining talent and are there any signals that we need to really double down on so there there's some of the things that we look at uh, from a cultural health um, uh, perspective in the organization and it's such an important part of of what my team and I do um, on a on a constant basis.
0: Yeah, I think that employee use is has probably always been important, but I think it's critical now. And so that's um, that's a big piece of what I hear in a lot of organizations is trying to be really close as quickly as you can to to how the Sentinel is going. Yeah, you know, um, Michael, at the beginning toward the beginning you, you talked a lot about flexibility. We've touched on it a few times. And then when you think about, okay, so every company has to decide the culture that it wants to help support, and and how does flexibility sometimes either enhance or perhaps work against the culture that you're looking to to create and maintain? And I I'm fully aware that many organizations are taking a look at their culture and saying we're going to build on this rich tradition, but we also need to incorporate these things into our culture to be you know competitive both forward. I'm wondering if you could just uh, maybe share just a little bit about how uh, you know the flexibility that you've offered to employees, which I think is a terrific idea, how does that factor in with culture?
1: Yeah, it it, it factors a lot because um, it comes back to trust, um, the principles that I laid out and and obviously the culture uh, that we want. So we we have constantly said in a lot of the communications, even at the all hands, um that we did with uh, with our employees uh, in early March um, was really around um, connections um, and relationships and dialogue is uh, is really core and central to who we are. Um, we well, obviously Mastercard we talk about priceless and we talk about being together is priceless and and we really mean that. So looking at um, moments that matter, whether it is um, you know coming together for a brainstorming session uh, or looking at how we innovate together and how we create together—it's those pieces that are really important and really being intentional about when people come back into the office. We have heard um, in cases where, you know, when we started bringing people back, um, they said, "Hey, it's too noisy." So there was a period of adjustment uh, because now they—they've come out of their <laughs> out of their, their bedroom or their study. And now they're uh, they're interacting as well. So we we heard uh, some of that kind of feedback. Um, we also heard as well, we saw around the energy that's created by people interacting with each other, and in some cases, in many cases, um, there are new team members uh, that have been recruited during the pandemic, and for the first time, they're seeing and they're building those those dialogues and those connections. So there are all of these factors that we're that we're seeing, uh that we continue to believe this hybrid model um, is really uh, working for us, and uh, and we're looking at some metrics and measures around you know what is the impact that this has on the culture as you said and then some of the other metrics that we're looking at from a productivity measure and i and i think this is this is sort of the big step that we're taking forward you if you want to measure um office utilization and say whether your um your culture is just measured by how many days people are in the office that's sort of one blunt instrument um and certainly that's one approach but for us we believe uh, that's only one of many uh, metrics that we're looking at. So the engagement, the development, the career, we've got an internal talent marketplace as well. So mentoring relationships and being able to allow people to work on projects outside of their core job are also really important uh, drivers that we see. And and I think, um, Rebecca, the final point is just around some of those drivers that I mentioned earlier around what people are seeking from their employer um, it is a two-way street. So the focus on well-being, flexibility, and career development are really important anchors that, as we look at this whole um, flexibility. Now, I will say this, that we were very clear as well that as we're going through this journey, it is test and learn. So we're not necessarily locking ourselves into one position. We believe that as the work expe- worker expectations may change uh, and we see other data points, we may flex um, in different ways as well. Uh, but we're very much um, open-minded in terms of how we're bringing people and uh, and collaborating together. It's central to the culture.
0: You know, Michael, I think that's so key. Um, simply bringing people back to the workplace is not a panacea, but there's so many great reasons why you'd want to do that. As you mentioned, you know, some people who are earlier in career, perhaps, um, you know, they they need to understand what they've done what the world looks like writ large. Um, but also, some people who have just joined MasterCard and need to understand and bond, you know, if if we, in you know, order to think about um, uh, the offsite, you know, it was very planned. We knew who was going to speak, we knew what the purposes were, we knew what the takeaways were, and we knew how it was going to advance the conversation or the launch of the product or whatever it was. If we begin to think, as, as, as you've alluded to in, in so many of your points today, about the workplace as a positive place, to be affirming, to help people develop and grow, to do their best work, to be part of something bigger than themselves. You know, those are the, the messages that I hope, you know, CHROs who are listening to this hear from you and think about how that might play itself on in, in their organizations. Um, Michael, I have, a, I have a bet that we could talk for hours. Um, but our, our time is up, um, but I, I, I do want you to know how very much I appreciate you sharing your insights about the work you and the team are doing at MasterCard, and just just thank you for for being with me today.
1: Thank you, Rebecca, and, uh, and a big thanks to, to my whole team. They're, they're wonderful and uh, I'm very proud of all of them and what they do.
0: Thank you, Michael.
1: Thanks, Rebecca.
0: You have been listening to CEO Perspectives, a podcast by the Conference Board.